on there with rain in the summertime and Manning Street Preachers with Ocean Spray. Uh, to start with, it is also Shrove Tuesday, Mardi Gras Pancake Day, as they say. So could you combine the two with a kind of St David's Day Pancake Day? A mm. Mardi Gras. How about a leek pancake? No? You could try, I don't know. Leek uh, and cheese pancake? Uh, pancake rarebit? Maybe. Yeah, that would work, wouldn't it? A cheesy pancake. Uh, right, let's have a look at the weather, shall we? Uh, with uh, Peter, our friend from Maganyosk. Uh, in a normal month of February, we have 100 millimetres of rain. This year, we had just 37 millimetres. Yeah, don't we know? Coming after a dry month of January, that puts our 2022 rainfall at only 33%. Me. Bless you. Tack of the sneezes. Uh, only 33% of what we'd normally expect. I'm worried we may be facing water restrictions in a couple of months' time unless there is significant rain soon. Uh, to compensate, February was much sunnier than normal and temperatures were 2.3 degrees above average. I benefited from this by doing seasonal gardening in shirt sleeves, pruning the olive trees. Very nice. Well done, Peter. Yeah, the gardening's been absolutely wonderful the last couple of months and everything's growing now. Tulips are coming up. Daffodils are out. Been keeping you busy. It has been keeping me busy. Yeah, it is very time-consuming, but uh, well worthwhile. The Press Review is brought to you by BMW Côte d'Azur. Starting with the Eye newspaper, a huge Russian convoy is just miles from Kiev and could launch a bloody push to take the capital within 48 hours, while ferocious rocket attacks have killed a number of civilians in Ukraine's second-largest city, Kharkiv. Moscow's troops bombarded residential areas in Kharkiv with a Grad rocket missiles on Monday, according to an advisor to Kiev's interior minister. The barbaric attacks reportedly saw Ukrainians killed as they queued up to fill water bottles, with footage showing bloodied streets and missile damage. Ukraine has also accused Russia of violating the Geneva Convention with the alleged use of thermobaric vacuum bombs. Meanwhile, a miles-long hundreds of tanks is now within 16 miles of the centre of Kiev, as Western sources indicate that Putin could indiscriminately bombard civilians when he makes a play for the city, which could be within 48 hours. Now, US officials said they expect they're going to want to continue to move forward and try to encircle the city in the coming days. Peace talks between Russia and Ukraine continued on the fifth day of fighting, though there were little signs of progress, as Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky repeatedly called for a ceasefire and for Ukraine to be urgently admitted to the European Union. In this morning's Parisian newspaper, the SNCF has announced that it will allow Ukrainian refugees to travel for free on trains in France. Uh, the group's CEO made the announcement on Twitter and it was confirmed by France's transport minister who confirmed that the company will allow Ukrainian refugees to take the train for free, adding that it's natural for the SNCF group to participate in solidarity with the Ukrainian refugees. On Sunday, Germany and Austria had allowed all Ukrainian refugees from Poland uh, to travel free on long-distance trains. The Washington Post says that Russian and Ukrainian delegations held five hours of inconclusive talks near the Belarus border on Monday as heavy Russian bombardment continued in Kharkiv, Ukraine's second-largest city, and Western countries tightened their financial stranglehold on the Russian banking system. Amid what appeared to be a sporadic missile strike in Kiev, satellite photographs showed a Russian column of troops and armoured vehicles stretching for 17 miles and heading southeast in the direction of the Ukrainian capital. The United Nations refugees refugee agency said more than half a million Ukrainians, primarily women and children, had fled to neighbouring countries seeking safety. And the Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, in a video posted late on Monday, 
called the shelling of Kharkiv a war crime and the deliberate destruction of people. In this morning's Figaro, French President Emmanuel Macron, who has still not formalised his candidacy for the elections, remains at the top of the polls. And meanwhile, the Republican candidate Valérie Pécresse has been overtaken uh, by far-left Jean-Luc Mélenchon. According to Opinion 2022 survey carried out by Elab and published today, Pécresse has slipped to fifth place in the race for the second round. BBC World Service News, live from London, coming up next. The Full English Breakfast Show. The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Mies Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Can, BMW Store Monaco and JPV Fréjus. Boost your business with the electrified range by BMW. Find all the BMW business drive offers at your car dealer. The Shrove Tuesday Pop Quiz. Songs about pancakes. No, I'm afraid not. Oh. I couldn't can, manage that. Question number one. It's his birthday today. Born on this day in 1958, this English singer-songwriter producer had the 1984 solo UK number two single, I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Um, Nick Kershaw. Correct. Question number two. Born on this day in 1994, this Canadian singer celebrates his birthday today and is the first artist to have seven songs from a debut album chart on the Billboard Hot 100. Justin Bieber. Well done. Didn't think you'd get that. <laughs> and finally, on this day in 1975, the Eagles went to number one in the US uh, with a which song? 75. Yeah. On this day, it was, is it Hotel California? No, it was the first of five US number ones for the band. It was the first one. Was it on that album? Might have been. Is it um, Take It Easy? It isn't, no. no. Desperado? No. no. No, no, that's not even on that album. Um, Oh, go on, tell me. I'll kick, I'll kick myself afterwards. But... Best of my love. Best of my love. Okay. It's not on that album. It's not on that album, no. but I, if I'd have said that, you'd have got it. I think Hotel California was 76, anyway. But I couldn't swear to it. Riviera Radio. Business. Morning, Henke. Good morning. How are we today? Fine, thank you. Good to be with you. Yes, well, um, we still look at the pictures from Ukraine and just the unbelievable misery and damage it's causing and uh, probably too early to speak about how much it's going to cost for the reconstruction, but it uh, doesn't seem any end in sight at the moment to the conflict. No, I think that's right. And investors, from that perspective, which of course is certainly secondary compared to the humanitarian uh, damage that's being caused, struggling to digest what the full political, economic and financial market ramifications of that conflict in Ukraine is likely to be. Stocks and oil actually made steady gains overnight. There has been somewhat of a pause in the volatility which has been sparked by the war in Ukraine and those sanctions, of course, placed on Russia. Stock 600 in Europe closed flat yesterday, but remember that was after being down as much as 1.9% during the course of the trading session. Over on Wall Street, the S&P 500 was down around about a quarter of 1% at the close. Treasuries have slipped back this morning, but that was after surging in the Wall Street session on risk aversion. The dollar's a little changed. Oil's pushed a little bit higher. I think traders have been looking to try and balance out the possible release of emergency strategic reserve stockpiles against fears over disruption from uh, Russian exports. Russian markets, you can imagine, remain under pressure as the West allies 
blocked the uh, central bank from accessing foreign exchange reserves. The ruble fell to an all-time low of 117 against the dollar. And, uh, of course, uh, sanctions mean that more lenders have been cut from the SWIFT messaging system for global banking. There's also been growing risk, I suppose, that Russian stocks and bonds could be kicked off major investment benchmarks as they become increasingly untradable. One of the interesting moves you've seen over the course of the past couple of days has been in cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin has jumped past the $43,000 level yesterday. It's up around about 11% over the course of the past two days. That's on speculation that digital tokens could be used for payment in the wake of the sanctions against Russia. European bourses set to open, 13 minutes away from the open. A little bit to the downside, off by nearly half of 1%. Currently calling the FTSE down 21 points. That's over in Frankfurt, down 62 points. But US futures are trading to the upside. So let's see what the session has to offer today. The Russian central bank has been playing down uh, what appears to be a sort of run on the banks at the moment in Russia, seeing pictures of people queuing up to withdraw money from uh, ATMs yesterday as the ruble uh, lessens in value. I mean, well, is, this is part of the West strategy, isn't it, to try and weaken the Russian economy to such an extent that the people turn against the president? Yeah, that's the concept that you'd expect. It's probably a two-pronged approach. It's also focusing, of course, those oligarchs, that power base that's close to President Putin. But it's also, of course, putting massive pressure, squeezing the life, you could argue, out of the Russian economy in an attempt to, as you say, to encourage the local population to rise up against this war and... Um, does that lead to the ousting of President Putin, which would change the trajectory, of course, of this conflict? So that, that is certainly one of the objectives you be looking at. The next step, of course, is around energy. Now, that would really uh, be perhaps the, the, the biggest, the most important step to take, but one that has the probably most widespread consequences for uh, the global economy. But if you were to start to infringe upon um, Russia's ability to export oil, and energy from uh, from its region and the money that it makes from that, clearly that would have severe financial consequences for that, but it would have the uh, potential, of course, to rapidly push up uh, fuel prices, which would have negative consequences, of course, for businesses, for consumers, and indeed inflation. Well, China's not going to say no to Russian oil, is it? No, one would suspect that's the other aspect to watch in terms of the debate around this conflict. It's... Um, how that change in the global order plays out and where the allies are to be found now. If you look at China so far, they've certainly stopped short of rebuking uh, the actions that we've been seeing from uh, Russia in Ukraine. As far as I can tell, they've merely suggested that they should um, act with restraints and uh, potentially there is a, a link between those two countries, although China has other issues and other objectives that it would probably like to focus on. OK, well, I mean, how long do you think it will take for us to wean ourselves off uh, Russian oil and gas? I mean, gas is one thing. I mean, we can ramp up imports of liquefied natural gas. Uh, oil's something a bit different. But, I mean, European economies should be moving away from oil and, and uh, developing renewables as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, and I think that's another message that's come from this process and from this war and everyone who's involved in that COP26 conference has been coming through and saying what the shame is, is the uh, it's taken uh, an action such as this for people to realise where the stress points are in terms of the global economy, where the risks are around the energy market and indeed that importance of moving to or transitioning to uh, to uh, to uh, um, renewables, more sustainable areas of energy, and to reduce their reliance on Russia. Um, very interesting piece by Niels Prattley in The Guardian saying that uh, the speed of which Shell and BP have uh, got rid of their Russian assets uh, is quite remarkable. There was no kind of uh, everything's on the table. It was okay, that's it, we're out. Yeah, it's a dramatic move coming through from the oil majors. Shell joining BP to exit its Russian investments. The oil giant announcing it will end its joint ventures with Gazprom, quit the LNG plant and abandon Nord Stream 2 project. That's just a day after BP abandoned its 20% stake in Rosneffel said it would look to exit it. At least actually BP shares are only down around about 4% yesterday, which given the $25 billion write-off wasn't too bad a move suggesting perhaps the market's been anticipating this or perhaps believing there is indeed a buyer for that stake. Shell's Russian assets are estimated to be valued at around about $3 billion, representing around 5% of global production. Russia, you have to remember, is the world's third largest oil producer. It's the biggest exporter of gas. It's viewed as one of the world's most, or was viewed as one of the world's most promising exploration and development destinations. The oil majors left Total is estimated to have the most commercial exposure to Russia now. Analysts estimate that Russia can about 16% of Total's global oil and gas production over the course of the past year. No doubt the spotlight will be moving towards them. How high do you think the oil price could go? Well, it's very difficult to say that. It depends how much of those Russian exports are infringed upon if we do indeed get to that stage and um, whether other countries can increase production levels to try and meet some of those shortfalls. So there's lots to push through and, and, and try to understand that. We've spoken before about the fact that Russia exports about 5 million barrels of oil per day. And your latest example of that was in the Gulf War, was back in the 1990s, of course, which when 4 million barrels of oil were taken off the global markets. And that's all global oil prices doubled that was obviously from a much lower base at that time we did see the likes of Saudi Arabia coming in to pick up some of that shortfall real question mark about how much they would be able to do so because the reality is if you look at OPEC members for example they've struggled to meet uh, their existing increase in production as that production level comes back online from the cuts were introduced at the start of the pandemic. So a limited ability to meet the shortfall and potential disruption to Russian supply could mean the oil price could, uh, could pick up substantially at some stage. But how long it stays at that level remains to be seen. And do you think the Nord Stream 2 uh, gas pipeline's now dead in the water? Well, you know, it's hard to say. There's been a lot of investment in this. This is a 1,200-kilometre pipeline that was set to deliver significant amounts of gas uh, to the European Union. Um, clearly, Germany have, uh, have backed away from the project. The big investors are starting to back off it. But it depends. You know, the world changes very quickly. And uh, how the situation resolves will probably determine if and when that uh, pipeline comes back into fruition.
You spoke about China's uh, attitudes uh, to this conflict, and obviously uh, it's not what the Chinese want because it does interfere with their plans. But on the other hand, uh, with American attentions firmly fixed on Europe, it gives China a bit of leeway, doesn't it? Potentially so, but let's hope that we don't get to that point and let's hope that we, uh, we don't see an escalation of these issues because uh, the world certainly doesn't need that. I wasn't talking about a potential invasion of, Ukraine, of uh, Taiwan, but uh, just economically. Yeah, economically, I suppose there's... Uh, Ch- I mean, China is obviously looking to... Um, to strengthen its economy, the momentum slowed down quite dramatically. China have been um, putting in measures to try and um, try and ease some of those pressures that have been seeing on its economy, whether it's in the terms of the property market or um, easing some of that. So we've seen interest rate cuts coming through from China. We've seen them increasing credit across the system to try and boost growth. But also China operates around this doctrine of... Uh, national integrity and uh, the ability for uh, countries to self-determine their their own rules without international interference and no doubt that will be playing on their minds as well. This is Taiwan of course. Uh, Finally uh, Toyota shutting down its entire production operation because of a cyber attack which may or may not have originated from Russia. True. Toyota said it will restart production from tomorrow, a day after all of its factories nationwide, in, that's in Japan of course, ground to a halt following a cyber attack at a supplier. The supplier uh, that gives Toyota plastic parts and electronic components was uh, hit by this cyber attack and uh, certainly caused a a significant impact to its supply chain. The suspension on Tuesday was seen as hitting output of around 13,000 cars. No information was available about who was behind the attack, as you say, nor the motive, but it did come just after Japan joined Western allies in clamping down on Russia. OK, foreign exchanges, please. Pound against dollar coming in at 134 this morning. Euro dollar coming in at 112, getting just below 1 euro 20 cents for your British pound this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. You just dropped your pencil. I did, yeah. <laughs> Have a good day. Speak to you in the morning, Hank Potts and Barclays. On FM and DAB Plus across the Côte d'Azur, on your phone and worldwide online. This is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south of France. Sarah Lysa has the top stories across the Riviera. A 40-year-old diver has died in the port of Ladas in Villefranche-sur-Mer. The accident occurred at around 1pm on Monday afternoon while underwater work was being carried out. The exact circumstances remain unclear and an investigation has been opened into the cause of death. Four people have suffered minor injuries in a road accident. The accident occurred around 6pm on Monday when two cars collided on the RDN7 near the town of Porcia near Brignoles. Police have opened an investigation to determine the cause of the crash. Reported missing last Wednesday, Melanie Ramos from Iyer in the VAR has been found alive and well. A police had launched a missing persons appeal last week, but reported on Monday that she had been found in her car in the town of Roqueboron. His Serene Highness Prince Albert II of Monaco has strongly condemned the invasion of Ukraine. In a statement released on Monday, the prince expressed his full solidarity with the people of Ukraine and victims of military operations and bombings, calling for an immediate ceasefire. Meanwhile, President Macron has spoken to President Putin in a phone call. The Elysee said that Macron had asked the Russian president to halt all strikes and attacks against civilians and residences, preserve civil infrastructure and secure main roads. The statement 
statement from the Elysee said that President Putin confirmed his willingness to commit to those requests. It also said that President Macron had asked his Russian counterpart to stay in touch in the coming days to prevent an escalation of the conflict, uh, to which he is said to have agreed. The mayor of Nice, Chris Nistrosi, has announced the launch of a major fundraising campaign for Ukraine in our region. The campaign aims to send the Ukrainian people the basic necessities they need, such as medicine, warm clothes, dry food and products for children. President Macron's election campaign team has announced this uh, on uh, Monday uh, that the president will not be visiting Marseille this Saturday as planned. And finally, OGC Nice will face Versailles in the French Cup semi-final this evening. A kickoff is at 9pm at the Alliance Riviera Stadium in Nice. Riviera Radio, Sports News. Versailles. Versailles. That's a royal encounter, isn't it? it certainly will one. be. Oh. What about Fontainebleau? Are they in it? <laughs> They're not in it. Uh, football, Russian clubs and national teams have been suspended from all competitions by FIFA and UEFA in response to the invasion of Ukraine. Both the world and European football governing bodies say they'll be suspended until further notice. The decision means the Russian men's team will not play their World Cup playoff matches next month and the women's team has been banned from this summer's Euro 2020. Spartak Moscow have been kicked out of the Europa League and UEFA has also ended its sponsorship deal with the Russian energy giant Gazprom. Here's more football from BBC Sports. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hello, I'm Paul Serres at the BBC Sports Centre. Russian football clubs and national teams have been suspended from all competitions by FIFA and UEFA after the country's invasion of Ukraine. Crystal Palace manager Patrick Vieira says sanctions in sport can send out strong messages. Sport in general. I think uh, football is not different from other sports. I think if we can use the sport, the notoriety of sport, to influence in one way or the other the peace around the world, we should do it. Manchester City's Ukrainian international defender Oleksandr Zinchenko is set to play in Tuesday's FA Cup tie at Peterborough in what will be his first game since his homeland was invaded by Russia. Zinchenko was an unused substitute in City's win over Everton on Saturday and was visibly moved by displays of solidarity at Goodison Park. Here's the City boss Pep Guardiola. I think it would be good for him to, to play and show... The reason why he's here is a magnificent player to play football. Everton are demanding an apology from the Premier League for a controversial decision in Saturday's 1-0 defeat against Manchester City. They're not happy about the ref's lack of action when City's Rodri appeared to handle the ball in the penalty area. Leicester City boss Brendan Rodgers says it's great to have forward Jamie Vardy back available for their Premier League visit to Burnley on Tuesday evening. He's been out with a hamstring injury since December. He's a legend in the in the Premier League, Jamie, for everything that he's done for Leicester and his story. Uh, but he's still, you know, he's still got plenty of running in, left in him. And uh, yeah, it's just great to have him back available. And Watford's Ashley Fletcher has joined Major League Soccer side New York Red Bulls on loan until the end of July. And for more football news from the BBC, go to bbc.com forward slash football. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. There was one game in the English Championship last night. Steve Bruce still can't get a win as West Brom manager as his side went down 2-0 at home to Swansea. And as they were saying there, one game in the English Premier League tonight. Burnley will be attempting to take another step towards safety when they host Leicester. 
They're on a bit of a roll, Burnley, aren't they? Certainly are. Come yeah. on, Burnley. Yeah. Well, no disrespect to Leicester, because I like Leicester as well, but uh, they are actually in a little bit of trouble, Leicester. Cricket, South Africa have beaten New Zealand by 198 runs in the second test in Christchurch. The home side were bowled out for 227 in their second innings on the final day of the match. The series ends in a draw. And in tennis, Russia's Daniel Medvedev has climbed to the top of the men's ATP rankings. It's the first time since Andy Roddick 18 years ago that someone other than Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Andy Murray or Novak Djokovic has held the top spot. Now, he lives in Monaco and says his aim is to become more consistent on clay and grass. Here's the marine weather forecast for coastal areas up to 20 miles offshore the Outmaris Team in the VAR. The general situation, high pressure, 1,025 millibars over the region. Winds are easterly, force 5 to 6. The sea is moderate, visibility is good. Barometric pressure, Saint-Jean-Catfera, 1,023 millibars. And the outlook for Wednesday, hazy, force 1 to 3 variable winds, calm seas and good visibility. For North Corsica, winds are easterly, force 5 to 6. The sea is moderate, visibility is good. Barometric pressure at Cap Corse, 1,022 millibars. And the outlook for Wednesday, hazy, force 2 to 4 variable winds, slight seas and good visibility. Riviera Radio, weather. Partially cloudy, moderate to strong easterly wind outside at the moment. It should start to drop off as the day proceeds. Top temperature 13 degrees. Overnight lows 3 to 5 degrees on the coast, minus 1 degree inland. Now Wednesday and Thursday, hazy sunshine uh, with some rain overnight into Thursday, then partially cloudy with highs of 12 to 14 degrees. Finally. A study has suggested that reminiscing about good old times could take the edge off a bad migraine. Academics say nostalgia acts like a mild acts rather like a mild painkiller mild laxative <laughs> and can reduce the soreness of headaches by an average of up to 10% a nostalgia a longing for the past that can be triggered by music or pictures has previously been associated with reductions in stress and sadness Ooh, shame doesn't work for backache I do well think so. of the past Think, Think of, of one of past. your many, you know, all the girls that you what? can remember from cinema trips. Sarah said that. <laughs> <laughs>